And even if you do that, at some point, all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh my gosh, when I was at school on the playground and when that girl totally made fun of me because my breasts started to develop and da, 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 right? Like it'll, it'll almost seem like it comes out of nowhere, but it's going to come up and you're going to find something that was the root or one of the earlier kind of plant shoots, you know, that emerged that has caused the bulk of your self-criticism. Because usually it's going to be wrapped around one main theme or one main story. What I've discovered is that one theme and that one main story tends to be around something like, I'm not worthy. I'm not, you know, valuable. Those are in the same kind of swimming pool together. I'm not able to do anything right, or there's something wrong with me. Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. Welcome back to the Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators podcast. Today we have a special guest, Deborah Kagan. She is a speaker, author, mentor, and mojo recovery specialist with years of practice being a turned on woman. She supports entrepreneurs, small business owners, consultants, creatives, and the career oriented to tap into their innate power and connect with their mojo, a source of true self-esteem. I'm so excited to chat with you about being a turned on woman because I think that this is an area of our life that so often gets shut off and we Mm -hmm. have to reactivate being a turned on woman. So I'd love to just really start with like, what does it mean to be turned on to you? Yes, I love this and I'm so glad to be with you. Turned on is about being enthusiastic and lit up about life, all right? This is in or out of the bedroom. It's about a state of like truly enthusiasm. And it's about that state of being alive and interacting with your life where it's an adventure, where things feel juicy, where and even the tough stuff. It's like, okay, here's some tough stuff. Let's lean into it. Let's like feel what's here, right? When you're a turned on being, even in life, when we have tough moments, you can still retain your turn on. So the simple way is to say, you know, it's about being enthusiastic and lit up about your life. Mm, I love that. And I think that, you know, like I was just saying, that can be very hard for people to Mm -hmm. access if they're not used to that. So how do you become turned on? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, you know, life does not pull for us to be turned on. Society, our cultures, family, religions, none of that pulls for a turned on life. It's easier for the sort of mass society to have us not feel turned on because then we're better consumers and we're also easier to quote control, right? A quote unquote. So That I think is important to understand because a lot of people think, oh, there's something wrong with me. Why am I not more enthusiastic? Why am I not feeling more turned on? And it's like, because most of your life and most of what you walk through isn't an invitation towards that. 
So I'm super glad that you're here and you're listening to this conversation because it means that you're interested in actually being turned on. While it does take practice, while it does take a consciousness about it, it is more simple than not. And I say simple versus easy. There's a real distinction there. Most of the things that I've been teaching for over 25 years to the women and those who identify as women that I've been teaching for, again, quarter of a century, it's actually quite simple, the tools and the techniques that I do teach. Why I say it's not easy is because we all have our stuff. We all have the things that we've gone through, whether you call it baggage, whether you call it, I happen to call it the kinks and not necessarily the sexual kinks, but more the energetic neurobiological kinks that have gotten stuck and lodged in our bodies based on anywhere from a micro to a macro trauma. And so our bodies have actually become conditioned to be shut down rather than be open and alive and connected and enthusiastic about ourselves and our lives, right? So this is why it can be more challenging and why it doesn't feel easy, even though the tools and the practices are very simple. That's something that I've found in the work that I've done with myself is that like the exercises are very, very simple exercises, but that doesn't mean that they are not met with resistance. And it doesn't mean that they are easy to do because of my own barriers sometime and my own resistance to them. Exactly. And so I'm a real also big believer of just take the next available action. You know, that's the thing where we'll get caught up too. It's like we get into this sort of analysis paralysis or, oh gosh, I haven't done anything for a really long time and it's just going to be too difficult or why bother? And that's usually when we start to look at this giant sort of uh, cloud of the entire picture, right? And I really want to invite the listeners to just narrow in, zoom into the present moment right now. What is this next available step that's in front of you? What's the thing that you could do right now? Could that be that you go hug a tree? Could it be that you actually connect with one of your power centers? There's a home of your mojo, right? I help you connect to your mojo and your erotic nature. And so the power center that's deeply connected and is the source of all of your mojo is below your belly button and above your pubic bone. So right now, listening here, you could go ahead and put your, stick your thumb in your belly button, put your middle finger on your pubic bone and lay your palm down right there. Now you're making, I just saw, Jordan, you took a nice breath. I didn't even ask you to, but I saw that you put your hand down. And your body immediately responded and took a deep breath. That's beautiful. That's exactly the reaction that we are going for because you clearly have trained yourself, right, to be in touch with your power center. And the more that you do that simple, simple action of hand to low belly, I mean, again, so simple. But the, you know, sort of mental hurdles of like, oh, what's that going to do? That's too stupid. And by the way, I have all the same mental hurdles, okay? There are times I think, oh, that's too easy. Why would I even, you know, it's, it's gotta be, you know, that's not gonna do anything. But it's the simple things when done over and over, those build your new mojo muscles. And those will train a new neuropathway so that your body 
really understands how to let your innate, inborn mojo, which is life force, it will let that flow through you naturally because it wants to. It is meant to. We, our lives and what we've gone through has covered up and again, kinked up the internal wiring so that it gets blocked. And that's why we feel like we've either lost our mojo or we feel like we're not turned on in life. But the fact of the matter is your natural state is turned on. Yes. And when you were talking about this, what came up for me was that like that routine building the habit of doing some of these not easy, but simple tasks or simple activities. When you do them in routine, when you do them in habit, it becomes so much easier to do them. But Mm -hmm. it's just like truly committing to take that first step, truly committing to wanting something different, to choosing to be turned on by life rather than staying stagnant where you're at. Yeah. And, you know, like I'm, I'm hearing somebody or maybe I'm just hearing one of my clients in the back of my head right now. And they're like, yeah, that's nice, but it probably works for you. And it's not really going to work for me. Or, you know, it's just so easy for other people. And here's what I'm going to say. I too will have those thoughts, but you know what? Fuck it. I mean, because if you don't at least make the attempt, right, then you will never know. So. When those thoughts come in, I'm going to modernize it a little bit or just at least, you know, bring in some of my New York curse words into it, but just be like, fuck it, right? I'm going to do it anyway, even though there's all this stuff in my head that's like, ugh, it's not going to work for me or why bother or it's going to be too hard. You know, just all of a sudden, just find that space in you that's like, oh my gosh, fuck it. I'm just going to attempt to do this. Allow yourself to take that action, whatever the next action is, even when you're feeling like defeated, right? And I know those feelings and they are, and they can be super challenging to overcome. And yet it is possible for you right now. Fuck it is so powerful. It's interesting because I have a girlfriend that's always posting on social media, like, fuck it, send the text, fuck it, do this, fuck it, do that. And when you approach life in that manner, I I think that it really kind of takes the stress off. Yeah. And here's the thing. We're all going to die. That's one thing that's guaranteed for all of us. We don't know when. I was like, we're, we're this beautiful energy that is in what I the body, which I call a rental vehicle, right? So you got dropped into this rental vehicle. You just went on the lot. You didn't get to really choose which car, right? It was just the one that you got this <laughs> for this, this trip around the, the world. And you have no idea how long the lease is for, but you know it's going to end at some point, right? So when we actually remember that, it's much easier to say, fuck it, okay, number one. But number two, the other thing that I've been really reminded of uh, over these last probably six months or so, it's in the words of one of my spiritual teachers, Ram Das, who said, we're all just walking each other home right? We're all just walking each other home. And I share that now because I think it's important when we're concerned about how we either come across sexually or what's our turn on going to look like, or how somebody going to receive that, or are we going to smell funny, or are we going to, you know, do something wrong or bizarre or that someone's going to make fun of us? It's like, look, 
we're all just walking each other home. And so by you doing you and like shining your light and being that bright, mojolicious self that you are here to be and embodying your turn on, oh my goodness, how much does that just inspire everybody else? And so then you get to be that beacon of light for others to also shine their light, which is a true gift to the world. And then your sense of self-expression is just ginormous, which also in and out of the bedroom. So all of these things that I talk about, while some of them might be sexual techniques, but the more comfortable you feel with your own body and the more comfortable you feel in the bedroom, or I don't know if you like to fuck on the kitchen table or the living room floor or wherever it is, but wherever you like to do that stuff, the more comfortable you are with it, the more comfortable you are at work, the more comfortable you are taking you know, a walk with friends or going to the gym because, and also really vice versa, right? Because the more that you have a confidence with you, that translates to everything in your life, right? One of the yes. things I've always said is wherever you are, there you are. Like we think, oh, I got to go do this retreat, which retreats are great. And I love them and I lead them and I go on them. Okay. <laughs> but if we think the retreat is going to be the thing that actually like changes everything in life, right? We're going to go to this retreat and then everything is going to be different. I invite you to reconsider because it's about who you're being, you know, or if you think whatever, so you get on the plane to go to the retreat, it's still you that gets off the plane at that next location. Allow your experiences to come into you, to digest them, to let them transmute and transform you. Yes, but you have to have the consciousness that it's who you're being that allows that transformation, it's not actually the retreat itself. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I cool. I just went on a retreat like two weeks ago, and I think that this is such an important point in that like you are still the same person, but it's you're taking the, the skills home and implementing mm -hmm. them ultimately. Yeah, because, you know, the tools and the practices and the retreats and all the things that we do, they are so important because they do train us for the moments that get super stressful, that get super intense. And we do those retreats and we do the practices to train again our, our mojo muscles, right? And this beautiful body and this rental vehicle and our consciousness to be able to handle the really challenging moments in a way that is holistic, in a way that is deeply connected to our strengths and to keep the turn on through those challenging moments. That to me is why we do all of those things. Like I started doing yoga over 30 years ago, took teacher training 20 years ago. I never officially taught. I just wanted to deepen my own practice, you know, and be able to work with some clients that way and support them with um, yoga, you know, philosophies and yoga movement and so on and so forth. But I realized, and my teacher would say it all the time, like we don't come and do class and sit here, you know, classes were 90 minutes, <laughs> you know, the full classes that I would do. And he's like, we don't come to class like to just get in shape. We get on the mat so that when I live in Los Angeles, there's a freeway called the 405. So wherever you are, just think about the most crowded freeway <laughs> that you've got in your area. 
right? He's like, we do yoga so and get on our mat. So when we're on the 405 and someone cuts us off that, you know, we don't fly into nasty road rage, just saying there might be some people like me who have that knee-jerk reaction. Again, you know, former New Yorker. Um, So we do the practices. So in those intensified moments, we can respond in a way that, again, is connected to our bodies, our consciousness, and keeps our turn on in place. Are you ready to start understanding yourself better, learning and recognizing your patterns, and really develop a relationship with yourself? If this sounds like you, the Unleashing My Power, a women's empowerment and gratitude journal is for you. This journal was specifically curated for women just like you to help you take back your power and develop and go to the next level in life. My friend Danielle and I created this journal because of our own experiences and what we were looking for in a daily practice to improve our connection to self and really become connected with ourselves. This is game-changing, and the feedback that we are getting from other women who have started using this journal is absolutely amazing. You can find it on Amazon, or you can go to jordandonnell.com slash journal, and it'll take you right there. I hope you enjoy. Be sure to go snag yours right away, and leave me a review. Tell us what you think about it. Slide in the DMs. I know that your life will change when you start using this journal. And I think that it is so hard to maintain that turn on in life, especially when it's challenging. And so doing those things, yeah, it makes such a difference in being able to fall back on them when you are in a challenging moment. Yeah. If you don't have the tools it's going to make it really difficult. But if you have those tools in your toolbox yeah. to access when you need them, and sometimes you're going to learn a million things and you're only going to use a handful of them, but there's going to be that one moment when you're like, that is the tool that I need. I might need to refresh myself on it, phone a friend, but that's what I need. And you can access it. Yes, exactly. I'm curious your thoughts on self-judgment. You know, you were talking in the earlier part of this about what holds us back. And I know for a lot of clients, myself included, judgment and self-judgment in particular really holds us back from doing the things that we know is important and know matters. Mm -hmm. How do you help people through that? Such a good question. Self-judgment, which I also would, you could say it as self-criticism, is one of the most toxic things that I feel every human contends with on some level on some level. I mean, you know, there might be some white male privilege out there that has very little to no self-judgment, but I would say for pretty much every human, there's going to be some self-criticism. There's going to be some self-judgment. That's the first thing to recognize is to have an awareness of that, that sadly it's normal. And the first thing that I help my clients with is we start to look back. Where did we pick up this story? I love therapy and I'm not a therapist. And so what I'm about to talk through is not the same as therapy, because what I'm interested in is helping you to shift the energetic encoding that began the self-criticism, that began the self-judgment, 
and to find the place where those seeds were initially planted. So this goes to the fact that everything is energy, right? I feel like we're hip with that, right, Jordan? It's like, and I feel like your audience is hip with that too. Yeah. So everything being energy includes our thoughts. Our thoughts are things. The thoughts are that we have become the words that we speak. The words we speak become the actions we take or we don't take. And so, and everything that we go through in life has an energetic imprint. This is why, you know, we hear about cellular memory, muscle memory, right? Anybody who's an athlete out there, that's why you can, all of a sudden, everything's going great. Maybe somebody says a word that is a word that was said to you or about you when you were younger or maybe 10 years ago or whatnot. And it was something that really upset you and set you off. And all of a sudden, now in present day, you hear that word and your entire day is ruined. You start to feel bad about yourself. And it's like, wait, hold on a second. I was having a great day. What the heck? You know, this is because of that energetic encoding. And so that's why you can get set off and the self-judgment can also creep up almost out of nowhere, all right? So to go back to, begin to look at what's your earliest memory of this thing that you are judging yourself about? Where did that come from? Is there a particular moment that you can recall? The earliest one. Because our beliefs and what we end up creating our lives from are experiences that we've had between the age of zero and about nine. And everything else becomes a rinse and repeat of that until we get into a space of self-development and we get into a space of retraining our consciousness and more importantly, retraining our body, the somatic piece of it. Therapy is great. Working with our mind is absolutely important. But if we don't shift the energetic encoding from the body, we could be having a really good mindset about a lot of stuff, but still drawing the same kind of experiences to us because of that energetic encoding that has yet to be transformed. And that is only done somatically and through the body. So once you've identified and found, okay, here's an early moment, this earlier memory that you you can recall of where this self-criticism, self-judgment story came from, that's when I recommend you do some journaling. And what I mean is automatic journaling, like automatic writing, which is where you write, you set a timer for about 15 minutes, right? And you write without taking utensil, you writing utensil off of paper. Even if at some point you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm writing. I don't know what else to say here. I'm just writing because I was told I'm supposed to write for 15 minutes. Okay, I'm keep writing. And even if you do that, at some point, all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh my gosh, when I was at school on the playground and when that girl totally made fun of me because my breasts started to develop and da, 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 right? Like it'll, it'll almost seem like it comes out of nowhere, but it's going to come up and you're going to find something that was the root or one of the earlier kind of plant shoots, you know, that emerged that has caused the bulk of your self-criticism. Because usually it's going to be wrapped around one main theme or one main story. What I've discovered is that one theme and that one main story 
tends to be around something like I'm not worthy. I'm not, you know, valuable. Those are in the same kind of swimming pool together. I'm not able to do anything right, or there's something wrong with me. Those are, they pretty much tend to be in that arena. And once you, again, once you've discovered that, like really discovered though, and for everybody listening, I know I just shared like kind of what the generalized arena is of what the stories are. It's for you to discover though, what the experience was that kicked that off for you. Because once you do discover that experience, now you can look at it for what it was in reality. Like it was probably a moment. So one of mine was what my parents got divorced when I was young. They both remarried very quickly. And there was a celebration for my father and his second wife. And we were at the house that I had previously lived in with him. And I was told by his new wife to go stand in the foyer to go and hand out name tags. I was so excited. I remember exactly what I was wearing. It was this cute little like sort of midnight blue velvet dress that had a almost like a little white t-shirt. It was all attached together anyway on it and had this red heart on the center of the chest. And I was wearing little Mary Jane shoes for any of you that remember Mary Jane shoes. They were patent leather ones with my little socks. And um, there I was feeling really grown up at the, you know, ripe old age of seven at this point and handing out the name tags to all the guests that were coming in. And about 45 minutes into the party, my dad's new wife, who had been so lovely to me and bought me presents and was like, I thought she was just the coolest thing ever. She comes into the party about 45 minutes into it. It's in full swing. So many people everywhere, right? And there I am, you know, so proud of myself doing what she asked me to do. She comes into the foyer and starts screaming, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Go to your room. And I was shocked. I don't even remember at the moment, but I'm sure I just, I think I froze. And then I know I cried and I went upstairs and I went to my room. I thought I was doing what you told me to do. And there must be something really wrong with me because I obviously didn't do it right if you came and yelled at me like that. Like this is all going, you know, in my head of, you know, more little girl languaging. But I was like, there's got to be something wrong with me because I must have really screwed that up. And it was that moment that that seed was planted. Oh, shit, there's something wrong with me, like me as a being. And of course, then over the years, then leads to so many other things. And it was only until I recognized that probably in my late 20s, really got to separate that, that what that was, was me standing in the foyer, handing out name tags. She came in and yelled at me. I went upstairs. Like that's the facts, right? If you're just looking at it from like a journalistic perspective, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened. You take all the emotion out of it. And when you start to see it like that, you're like, oh, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. That was a story that got made up in that moment based on that set of facts. But it was a story that got made up. And now you can start to take, you know, you have a wider perspective and you can take more responsibility for the fact that you bought into that story. It's not a shame and it's this is not a blame game. But the thing is, we do buy into these stories because we don't know any better, right? But we bought into it. 
And once you start to zoom out and go, okay, that was a story that got created. That's not actually the truth. Now there's more freedom. Now there's like, oh, okay, wait, I can totally create something new for myself. And I can let a big, big, big chunk, hopefully, of that self-criticism and that self-judgment go, right? You can like drop that heavy bag that you've been carrying around for way too long. It's funny because I recently started journaling every day, a page Mm. a day, just like sit down and journal, whatever comes up, comes up, no judgment. (laughs) And interestingly enough, just this morning when I was journaling, something that came up was the stories that I tell myself Mm. and recognizing like when we are telling ourselves stories and like, are there any facts that support the story that we are being told? And when you, when you zoom out and you look at it, what do you actually see? Or is this something that you created? Right. And it's such a powerful tool when you start to recognize these things mm. and can bring awareness to them. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And I, and I love that what you just shared. Whatever you say is so. I'm going to say that again. Whatever you say is so. Like, I really want that to sink in for the listeners. So if you say whatever disparaging comment about yourself, you are validating and you are saying that is so. But if you are saying, I am a mojolicious, sexy piece of ass and I love myself and my body is absolutely magical and a place where miracles happen and pleasure comes and all the things that I desire are easily available at my fingertips. And when I focus my energy, I can create anything. Well, then that's so too, right? And that just feels so much better in the body when you say that to yourself. Yeah, like my body is tingling now at a much higher rate and vibration. So again, one of the first things you asked was about being a turned on you know, being. We speak our life into existence. And this took me a long, long time. I know we'll chat about this in a bit. You know, my new book, Undressed, there are memoir pieces in that book. And I've never been this vulnerable in my life in terms of sharing. I've always been an open book, but this is the most vulnerable I've ever been in my life. And you get to hear the inner workings of that process of, am I good enough? Is there something wrong with me? And these are specifically pieces of experiences I had with lovers. And so this was me figuring out my worth in terms of my own sensuality and sexuality and owning that for myself and finding reverence and a sovereignty within my own body and what feels good and how I can let that genuine turn on, that genuine mojo move through me and move through all of my power centers. So that turn on is for real. It's not fake. And it's, I think it's important for all of us to have, give ourselves permission to fumble and to get messy and to discover and look for our truth instead of being mired and sucked down into the judgment place. Yes. Giving yourself permission to be messy. Mm. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Because being messy, at least for, yeah, being messy for me really was a sense of feeling out of control. And out of control for me was all about trauma and abuse. So my mom's second husband, right? Mentioned my folks got divorced. That was a home of domestic violence. So 
So there was a lot of like out of controlness that I grew up with from the ages of seven to 15, a lot. And obviously that creates other stories and plants different seeds, right? And, and gives a certain context. And the idea of getting messy, I remember when one of my mentors said this to me 20 some odd years ago, I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I was like, I gotta keep it together. I gotta look a certain way. I have to present a certain way because that is called my safety shield, right? This is like my Wonder Woman bracelets and force field and, oh, no, 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 I do not get messy, right? Like that was not possible. And thank goodness, you know, I was in a good community and I was with wonderful women and I'm such a proponent of being in a community of women who are working towards what you're working towards. It's absolutely critical. So find a coach, find a mentor, find a a women's group that you vibe with. You know, that is the way we learn. We learn through osmosis. And also, you know, we learn because we get, we get to do difficult things in safe spaces that way. And that was the place for me where I learned to get messy. And it beautifully changed my life, you know, to be able to become the woman that I knew that was in there, but certainly become the woman that has now been able to, you know, support women all over the world. And it's just, it's, it's really a joy. I love that you brought that up because community, especially for women, is so important to Mm -hmm. our growth and creating that safe space. Mm -hmm. I've created uh, the She Society, which is my monthly women's group for that. But that's something that I've also gone out seeking and in search of is finding other community spaces where I can receive that as well. Yes. And it is literally a game changer when you have that. And 10 out of 10, anybody listening to this podcast, if you don't have that, make that something that is a priority of creating for you. Yeah. And even if you're not ready to maybe do anything else with it, being around those other women who are also on the journey, who are working on themselves, like you said, learning through osmosis and and just being supported, like it will change your life. Just being there, even if you are like this, I'm not ready to do anything else, just being there will change your life. Mm -hmm. And that's also, I'm just going to another plug for going on retreats though, because to give yourself an extended amount of time in a women's community or a women's, a woman's circle is where your body begins, you know, you, you begin to have that somatic experience. It's great to listen to the podcast. It's great to go to, you know, a webinar or something on zoom like that. However, when you give yourself even a three-day experience, just a multi-day experience. If you're not going to allow yourself to get into a, whether it's a, maybe a six-month you know, type of commitment for community or, or a year-long commitment to a women's group, then highly, highly, highly recommend just find a multi-day experience for yourself because that's where the real magic happens and that's where you can root in and, and create lasting transformation. Yes. I feel like we could literally talk for hours about for all sure. this stuff. And you're giving me so many ideas of how to talk about it and mm. express like why it's so important yeah. for us women to find community. Yes. Now, before we wrap up, when I was reading your book, Undressed, you talked a lot about the seven power centers, which you briefly mentioned earlier in this mm. podcast as well. When I was seeing those, what came up for me is that those are very aligned with the chakras. Yes. And was that intentional? 
Yes. I call them power centers to give it no disrespect, obviously, because I am deeply trained yogi and, and also a metaphysician. And so I also am very cognizant of the fact that sometimes certain words can be triggering with, and then we'll keep people away from information that could really support them in their journey. And so I chose to call them power centers. Yes. And they are, yes, we are talking about the seven chakras. Yes. So the one that stood out the most to me was the one about the throat power center Yes, and this exercise to do. So the, the throat chakra for me has been an area that I've always been working on utilizing my voice. I have this podcast. I yeah, utilize do. my voice in all of these ways, but sometimes in my personal life, my voice diminishes. And so when I was reading through this, I was just so intrigued about this exercise. And I would love for you to give us a little bit. I don't want to say anything else about it because I want to hear like your explanation of it. But this is the one where I called all of my sex coach girlfriends and was like, you guys, we got to try this. So tell, <laughs> Are we talking about the sexual about practice or the spiritual practice from that? The, the sexual practice. Okay. <laughs> so there are practices, uh, just and for context, so Undressed, An Invitation to Claim Your Erotic Nature is my new book. I really encourage you and invite you to get a copy. It's absolutely a transmission. It really is. Everyone who's read it thus far has been reviews and so on and so forth. It's that's what they're saying. It's like this is kind of moving something in me. It's almost that it's a somatic read, which is interesting. But it's it's divided into these seven sections based on the power centers. Each section opens with an overview real quick of the power center. Then you have this amuse bouche of the erotic uh, memoir tale that gets you in the mood and then it's your turn. And that's where I put my mentor cap on. And I offer you a sexual practice and a spiritual practice so that you can awaken and open the energy for that particular power center. And, you know, by the time you've worked with all seven, hey, you're going to be a turned on being because now all of your power centers are open and and flowing. All right. So this fifth one, self-expression center, this is where I walk you through how to deep throat. Now, this is not, you do not have to do this with a penis. I don't teach you how to do this necessarily with a penis, though, if that ends up being the case and you'd like to do that with someone with a penis, fantastic. These practices, though, I must let you know, they are all for you. They are for our vulva, uh, people with vulvas, and it is for you to do with you, by you, you know, so that you understand yourself. Knowing your own pleasure, knowing your own turn on is paramount right? So all the exercises are for you to be done um, on your own. You know, how you do this is first, I help you to work with your gag reflex because we all have a gag reflex. I mean, PS, by the way, everything that I wrote about in this book, I still do these practices. I've trained myself in these practices and uh, I continue to utilize them. And by the way, I still have a little bit of a gag reflex. This doesn't mean that when you do these, right? All of a sudden, you're going to never have a gag reflex. It's healthy to have a gag reflex, right? That's called survival. <laughs> we want to be able to have our airway you know, open so we can breathe. It's kind of how we stay alive. Now, we do want to learn how to work with our gag reflex because ultimately this practice, first, uh, you recommend you can, you, know, you can use a toothbrush, but I also recommend using mini spatulas which you can find on Amazon. And there are all sorts of links. I have a resource guide that goes with the book as well. But you want to begin 
to lower your gag reflex in order to find some relaxation within your throat. The mass majority of tension that we carry is in our jaws and in our upper neck. And our jaw and our upper neck is biologically connected to our pelvic girdle. So if your pelvis is tight, your jaw and your throat are going to be tight and vice versa. All right. So the good news is any time that we work with either one of these areas, it supports the other. And both these areas are connected through the vagus nerve. So working with deep throating is going to open that self-expression center. And again, the more relaxation that you have there, the more you'll be able, again, to speak your words. You'll have a relaxation with what you are going to say. Women, uh, you know, I'm using a binary here, but, you know, for the most part have been more silenced than not in for thousands of years. So in the gross modern, you know, society. And again, so there's a collective pull for us to stay quiet and it can feel threatening and it can feel very scary to speak your mind. And again, so this practice is not only for you to like, you know, have more fun skills in the bedroom. It's also for you to be bold and full of mojo in your life everywhere you go. So, so, so juicy. And definitely check out the book to learn even more about how to go about this exercise. You walk us through it, but that's such good information. And understanding how it's all connected is really important too. I show these slides at my events of a a slice of the larynx. And then I show us, you've seen it, right? And then a slice of the vulva. And they are literally, I mean, like 98% identical in structure. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah. So crazy. So crazy. Before we wrap up, I did just want to mention for those of you that are watching the video, you might notice that I've been drinking this little magic mind shot here. Over the last couple of months, I have been struggling with my energy and I found that using this every day has really helped me have more consistent energy, be more productive and have more creativity. Magic Mind has lion's mane mushrooms, which are known for improving cognition. It is also sugar-free, gluten-free, which is very important for my own personal reasons. If you have trouble with consistent energy, strongly recommend taking a look at these, giving them a try. You will be able to find the link in the show notes if you want to check them out. So Deborah, I would love for you to tell me like when you think of the word pleasure, what comes to mind? How would you define it? Pleasure. I mean, pleasure to me is an engagement with your senses, a conscious engagement with your senses. Pleasure is an open body connected to life. Pleasure is being here in the moment and experiencing it for like all of its juiciness. Presence. Yes. Being in the moment. So, so important. I love that definition. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can the listeners find you at? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at my main website, deborah-kagan.com, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-K-A-G-A-N.com. And I love to play on the gram. So come find me at Deborah Kagan and um, all the links and things um, are there. And if you also would like, there's juicy, delicious bonuses that you can get 
for the undressed book that go along with it. So that is undressedbook.com. Amazing. Well, thank you again. And yeah, we will definitely be chatting later. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. This podcast is sponsored by Intimacy Coaching by Jordan Donnell. Have you ever desired more from your sex life or feel like you're having good sex, but curious about how to make it even better? Are you desiring a deeper intimate connection with yourself? Or maybe you are dealing with desire and arousal concerns or struggling with communicating your desires with your partner. If you're hearing this and thinking, hmm, that might be me and you're curious to learn a bit more, let's chat. I would love to talk with you more to see if working with me is a good fit for you. To learn more about intimacy coaching with Jordan Donnell, go to coaching.jordandonnell.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.